This is Sean Gladding, and welcome back to the Naked Man podcast. If you're enjoying my exploration of the Gospel of Mark through storytelling, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It's an easy way to show an author some love, as well as help other people discover it. And, of course, you can always share the podcast on whatever social media you're on. Sean William Gladding. That's my full name, which I occasionally have to write on documents, and which could also strike fear into me when I heard it fall from the lips of my parents when I was a boy. Names are important. They have meaning, both for those who gave them to us and for ourselves as we discover who we are. They can be used to summon us, to bless us, to warn us, and to wound us. Names have power, and those who wish to exercise power over us sometimes use our name to that end, as we will hear in this episode. Rachel's voice rang out across the courtyard again. What did Jesus do after the Pharisees left? Mark responded. Knowing that his action in the synagogue would provoke a response from those in power, Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples. But a great multitude from Galilee followed. People came out from everywhere, from Judea and from Jerusalem, from Idumea and beyond the Jordan, and from the region of Tyre and Sidon. A great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. Mark paused to look at his mother before continuing. My brother Daniel and I were among those who went north from Jerusalem. We were both eager to see Jesus again, each for our own reasons. We caught up with him by the lakeshore, but there were so many people we couldn't get close but we did hear him tell his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the multitude, so that they wouldn't crowd him, for he had healed many, with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. No doubt, Yiftak interjected. I'm sure most of those who came to Kefir Nahum came hoping to be healed, not because they thought he was Messiah. No doubt indeed, said Mark. But there were those who knew his identity, and they were not quiet about it. Seeing the quizzical look on Yiftak's face, Mark offered him a grim smile as he continued. For days Jesus travelled the region around Kefir and Nahum, many of us following. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, You are the Son of God! And Jesus earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. You told us that before, Rachel said, that Jesus did not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he was. That's right, said Mark. These demons, spirits that defile the person they inhabit, knew that they were in the presence of a power greater than themselves when Jesus confronted them, a power of an altogether different order than theirs. And so they yelled out Jesus' identity, trying to control him by naming him. He paused, shaking his head. 
I confess that I did not grasp the importance of what they were saying at the time. I'm not sure even the Twelve did. Someone leaning on a tree by the gateway called out. But why would Jesus want them to be quiet? Why would he want them to keep his identity a secret? Yiftak spoke up before Mark could respond. We just heard that the Pharisees approached the Herodians to make plans to kill him. If word reached Herod Antipas's toadies that Jesus was being hailed as Messiah, the true king of Israel, how long do you think Jesus would have survived? Indeed, said Mark. But Jesus didn't shrink from healing the sick or from setting free those in bondage to unclean spirits. That in itself would keep attention focused on him. But his next act was a truly revolutionary gesture. At these words, Yiftak and his companions leaned forward eagerly. Jesus went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted and they came to him. And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out the demons, just as he had. As our young friends can testify, people go into the hills of Galilee to plot revolution, and ultimately not just to overthrow the Romans, but to see the restoration of Israel, that day when God would make of us a great and glorious nation once more, here in the land given to our forebears, the twelve tribes of Israel. But ten of those tribes were lost to Assyria seven centuries ago. And so for Jesus to walk down from the mountain with twelve disciples sent a very clear message to those with eyes to see and ears to hear. A young boy sitting close by spoke up. Were you one of the twelve, Johannan? Mark laughed. No, little one. Jesus had already called them to himself. I was just one of many who were following along. Who were they then? Mark turned from the boy to address the whole gathering. Jesus appointed the twelve. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Thanks as always for listening. Perhaps between now and the next episode, you can reflect on the following questions. What's your name? Do you know what it means? Is there a story behind why you were given that particular name? My son, Seth William, is the fourth generation of Gladdings with the name William, and our daughter, Maggie Ruth, is the fourth generation of Martin women with the name Ruth. Do you have a family name? If so, what legacy does that name hold for you? Have you ever wished you could change your name? And if so, 
Why? Perhaps you have changed it. So what drew you to the new name you've chosen for yourself? If you could hear someone you've lost, either to death or to estrangement, call you by name one more time, who would that be? Until the next time.